You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Seattle pot shop owner says protesters continue to target his businesses. How come? What are they protesting? Let's find out. If you're new here, thanks for coming. If you're not, you know that I'm Sean Reynolds. I'm the owner of Summer Properties Northwest, Reynolds & Klein Appraisal, and I host the Seattle Real Estate Podcast, which you're watching. Thanks again for thanks again for coming. Let's talk about protesters. Let's talk about Seattle's weed stores. Who doesn't want to talk about that? Whether you like weed stores or not, I mean, they're here and they generate a lot of money. I'm going to talk about that too. I'm going to talk about some of the numbers. Crazy, crazy numbers. We're also going to talk about gentrification because after all, this is the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Gentrification, definitely a real estate thing. Let's get on into it. All right. So a Seattle pot shop owner says protesters continue to target his businesses. Uncle Ike's owner has seen protesters focus on his business before demonstrating against gentrification. However, he says recent protests have been different. So you still you still hear about the protests happening. But it seems like it's a really narrow bandwidth now. It's not the mass protests going on. That's not happening. It's like stores like this, like Uncle Ike's, which I have never been to. Um, not because I don't go to pot stores, because I just haven't been to those ones in Seattle. I'm an East Side guy. How about that? So I haven't been there. All right. Ian Eisenberg, he's one of the owners of Uncle Ike's. He is the owner of Uncle Ike's. Because a few of his pot shops have regularly been a target of protests over the last six months. There have been eggs thrown at the front door, broken windows and graffiti. The most recent damage was done Monday night. I'm recording this on a Wednesday. So two nights ago, damage was done to his store. And this is an ongoing thing. You read about articles all the time. And Uncle Ike's got hit again. Uncle Ike's windows broken. Doors banged on. While people are in there, bricks thrown through windows. This stuff's going on all the time. Laura Busey, one of Eisenberg's employees, described what her job has been like recently. It's pretty scary to come to work and not know whether or not people are going to be throwing rocks at you. What happened today at work, honey? I got a rock thrown at me. I got hit right in the shoulder. Ah, There are a couple of weeks where they threw eggs at us every single night, Busey said. At this point, there is no political message at all, Eisenberg said. So you might ask why a weed store would be targeted. You'd think it would be the opposite. You'd think people like, oh, don't hit the weed store. We need that to stay open. And in this case, Uncle Ike's is one of those things where when they opened up, they opened up kind of the first weed store in the central district of Seattle. And that is to the south and east of Capitol Hill. It is basically due east of downtown Seattle by a couple of miles, call it a couple of miles. So it's it's just outside of the heart of downtown Seattle. It used to be predominantly a black neighborhood. But because it is so close to downtown Seattle on the map, it's gone through massive gentrification process, right? The very first home I sold in probably, I don't know, 1990. I can't even remember. I had my license when I was 20, real estate license when I was 20. Man, was I even 22? I don't know. Maybe it was 1991, first house I sold. It was in on 26th Avenue South or 27th Avenue South in the heart of the Central District. I believe it was like 90 grand for a little three-bedroom, one-bath home. There was chickens on the property at one time that were against the city regulations, 
and that was on title, so that had to be removed. No chickens in Seattle. Can't raise chickens in Seattle. It was like a 30-year-old, one of those weird things on title that you had to get eliminated and had to have somebody prove, no, there's no chickens in this 5,000-square-foot yard, which is tiny. That's a tiny in-city lot. But I've, I've been in, in the central area for years and years and years, and it has undergone, because of how close it is to downtown Seattle, it has undergone some massive, massive changes. And what is the defini- definition of gentrification? It is the process whereby the character of a poor urban area is changed by wealthier people moving in, improving housing, and attracting new businesses, typically displacing current inhabitants in the process. It's also the process of making someone or something more refined, polite, or respectable. And the quote was, soccer has undergone gentrification. Has it? I don't know. I'm not much of a soccer fan. Don't know. Don't really care. I do like going to see the uh, Seattle uh, Sounders play. That's pretty fun. That's, that's, That's a good sport to watch. It's fun. Um, So getting back to this. So the weed store, Uncle Ike's, got opened up in the Central District. And everybody's like, ah, gentrification. It's definitely happening now. It's one of those stores that it's basically the focal point of the whole issue of our area is being overrun by a bunch of developers and builders and rich people, whether they're white, Chinese, whatever green, orange, I don't know. It's just gentrification is kind of colorblind that way, because the property goes to the highest bidder, whoever has the most money, they win. And unfortunately, unfortunately, people of color have been rapidly displaced from the central district. And that's something that I struggle with, because, all right, real estate is basically an economic game. It's whoever has the most money wins. Let's be honest, brutally honest. If you want to win a bidding war, what do you do? Uh, you can you can talk about strategy. You can talk about, oh, let's remove this line from our contract. Let's give this provision. Let's just be really, I'm a really good broker, and I'm going to get you this house because I have strategy down. That's nonsense. Here's the deal. You pay more than the next guy, and you're going to win the home, right? And there's some exceptions to that. To that, maybe you're paying cash, and so you pay a little bit less than the next guy. But he's got a he's he's doing a 97 percent mortgage. He's putting three percent down, three and a half percent down. He's got a 96 and a half percent mortgage. Odds of that going through are way less than me sitting here cutting a check in ten days, saying, "Give me this bad boy. I want this home." So whoever's got the most money wins. And the central area of Seattle, where Uncle Ike's is, has gone through a real process. Tearing homes down, putting up, you know, little housing developments, you know, rebuilding, renewing, gentrification. It's what's going on. But a lot of people have pounded on Uncle Ike's because it's just it's one of those things where it's like, ah, it's a weed store. It's making a lot of money. We're going to protest. We're going to throw eggs. We're going to throw rocks. We're going to throw bricks. All right. Um, however, on social media and on flyers, Eisenberg's name is front and center with demonstrators calling on him to do a list of things, including have a dialogue with them, with the protesters, halt predatory development, and provide 15% of profits to go to the Black Community and Northwest Community Bail Fund. All right, and so the reason I'm doing this podcast is because why does, 
where in this whole equation does a weed store have responsibility for stopping predatory development? Or why should they be specifically singled out to provide 15% of their profits to the black community and Northwest Community Bail Fund? Where does this come in? It's just that Uncle Ike's makes a lot of money. People know that they can afford it, and they do contribute to other charities. Let's take a quick look and look at some of Uncle Ike's actual sales. All right. In September of 2020, this one store, this one store had gross sales in September, $560,000. They paid $207,464 in excise tax. So if you wonder why when the state shutdown happened due to coronavirus, weed stores were left open, there was a massive spike in March of weed sales here in the state of Washington, because people were afraid, I don't want my weed store, I don't want my weed store to get closed. And guess what people say that weed is medicinal. If you want to try and have that argument, great, go you go down that road. Oh, this is my medicine, I really need it. Ah, you just like to get high. Now, there are exceptions. Uh, some kids got epilepsy, and it really helps them. Okay, great. But for the mass, vast majority of people, they just want to get high. Let's be honest. It's like drinking a glass of wine, maybe two or three, if that's your thing. Having a tumbler of whiskey, half a bottle. I don't know, whatever it is. But you go into a weed store, and you've got edibles. You've got tincture, which is just little droplets. You've got flour, which is weed in the form of joints, which are pre-rolled. Not that I really know any of this. I've just heard all of this. You've got pre-rolled. You've got edibles. You've got all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff to get your medicine. So this is a big, big business, right? September, 560 grand. August, 554 grand. July, $652,000. March 2020, $765,000. These are gross sales. In uh, March, with with sales of $765,000, they paid $283,000 in excise tax to the the state of Washington. That's why they're not getting shut down. We need your money, that tax dollar. We want that tax dollar. And we're going to let you stay open because you guys are selling medicine. Now, whether you think it's medicine or not, that's your call. If you think it should be illegal, yeah, maybe so. It is a drug. But is it kind of regulated just like alcohol is a drug? Yeah. So we're only selling it to people over 21. That's what we're doing. But you can see with these numbers, um, and this is one of four stores that Ian Eisenberg owns. So these are cash cows. So when a store like this comes into a community, people tee off on it. They do. They're just like, all right, here's what we're doing. We're going to protest. Because bottom line is, Ian Eisenberg, he doesn't have anything to do with the predatory development. Somebody probably put this store together, remodeled it. He took it over. He took over a lease. I don't think he owns it. Maybe he does. I mean, he's making enough cash to geez, buy one of these things every six months, right? So Predatory development. Is he responsible for that? Is he responsible for gentrification? He's just a business owner in a neighborhood that the protesters are going around in and they're just, we need we need a conversation with you about predatory development. It's like, why? How is that even a thing? But that's 
that is and, and the whole point of my protest my podcast i'm not protesting if i was protesting i would be peacefully protesting because i understand that that's all i mean it's all good a couple of billion dollars with the damage across the united states but it's all peaceful don't worry peaceful protesting but the whole the whole issue is that these protests are going on and now there really isn't even a message because guess what a weed store owner he doesn't have he doesn't have to answer for gentrification just doesn't have to he's running a business he's not in there developing who are the people responsible for issuing building permits and making the zoning laws who's that Kids out there protesting, if you don't know that, it's not because you're stupid, it's because you are you just haven't been educated. You need to be talking to your politicians. You need to basically be looking at the Growth Management Act of where certain things are allowed zoning-wise. That's what's allowing gentrification to happen. And if you're close to a downtown on a map in an urban city, guess what? The further out you go, there's more traffic. Those are less desirable areas. You don't have as many jobs out there, right? Although in the era of the Rona, anything goes. I can I can live three hours away because I'm just telecommuting. That's going to all change. That'll all change end of second quarter of uh, 2021. Mark my words. You heard it here. I have no idea. But that's my, that's my opinion. Um, but for now, if you live close into downtown, if you got a you know, home close in, guess what? Maybe your family's had this home in the Central District for two, three, four generations. Who knows? Whatever it is. They bought it back before things got expensive. When you cash out, guess what? You're not you're not selling it to another black family, are you? You're selling it to the highest bidder. That is unfortunately the way gentrification goes. These neighborhoods get turned over. And I've been watching it happen day in and day out, and that's just what happens. You can't stop that. So if you're a protester and you're hitting up Uncle Ike's, what are you doing? You're just trying to get your name out there for, for some attention. And it doesn't even sound like you're trying to get your name out there. You're just protesting for the sake of protesting. I don't think there's any real end game here because sending 15% of their profits to a specific cause, since when is that a reality? Why is Uncle Ike's responsible for that? They're not. They're not. They've probably got the cash to do it. But it's up to them as a business owner to determine who do I want to support as a charity. Not some protester throwing rocks and bricks through my window. Oh, yeah, you threw a rock through my window. You egged my business. You're scaring my employees. You know what? Let me just give you 15% of my profits. No, that's not reality. These kids are just living in a fantasy land that doesn't really make any sense. But it's what we got going on here in Seattle. So let me get back to this article and because I know there's a handful of other good stuff. Um, the discussions about gentrification and giving money is a great discussion that needs to be had. And we do, do give quite a bit of money to nonprofits, Eisenberg said. But the groups in particular are saying they want the money given to them. Not to the cause, to them specifically. So these groups are coming out, they are protesting, throwing the rocks through windows, throwing the bricks through windows, graffitiing it up, making a general mess of things. And that doesn't have anything to do with all the business that's being driven away. Although it doesn't look like Uncle Ike's is suffering at all. People are like, ah, bricks coming through the window? Yeah, yeah, they got good weed. 
we're just you know just try and stay away from that front window that's a that's a target zone stay away go in the back you'll be safe there good weed that's what we're doing so discussions about gentrification giving money is a great discussion the owner basically says that all right i yep but the groups in particular are saying that they want the money given to them so that makes them basically a group of people who are strong arming small businesses that's what they're doing yeah, not good. It's not the first time the pot shop owner has dealt with controversy on his doorstep. Over the years, there have been a number of demonstrations, including one in 2016 in front of the Central District location. Neighbors in a church in the area did not want a pot shop in the neighborhood, saying it was causing gentrification near 23rd and Union. The weed store isn't causing gentrification. The market is. The market dictates what happens to individual properties. Now, if you were in an area that wasn't undergoing gentrification, nobody would care. Weed stores going up, eh, the zoning allows it. State's going to get quarter million a month in excise tax. Guess what? All thumbs up from all regulatory bodies. It's a go. But I understand if, if you have, uh, and this was at the beginning in 2016, that is when weed stores became legal and retail started to go in. People were figuring out all right, my store is going to go here, zoning allows it, and this is what we're doing. So in 2016, yeah, there were protests because people are like, we don't really want that in our neighborhood. Just we don't want the influence. And I think people had a lot of fear over that. And we had that here in Bellevue, people are like, but there's a there's a daycare down the street from the weed store going in. It's not like people are going to go smoke a reefer in the parking lot. And I'm really dating myself by saying reefer, but it's such a good word. Somebody's going to smoke a spliff in the parking lot and then go hassle some preschoolers. That's, that's just not how it works. It's not. But people have a lot of fear over marijuana, and they had a lot of fear over it being legalized. And they think, oh, no, the weed store goes in. It's the end. The end is near. Guess what? It's not. It just generates a lot of tax revenue. People take their weed. They go home. They do the same thing they do with endless bottles of wine. They consume it until it's done. That's, what we, that, that, that's, that's just it. So, um, yeah, neighbors and churches in the area, they didn't want Uncle Ike's going into the neighborhood because they didn't want a weed store there. But it kind of sounds like the rest of the residents of the neighborhood, they are like, oh, this is good because we're going to do, we're going to give them sales of a half a million to three quarters of a million dollars a month. That's a lot in sales. You divide, call it $600,000 by what's the average purchase in a weed store? I don't know. Let's call it let's call it 15 bucks. I have no idea. Is it 30 bucks? Is it 10? No, nah, it's probably more like 25. That's a lot of sales. That's a lot of people coming in on the daily getting their medicine, doing their thing. So the community is saying, yes, we want this. This is a, a consumer item that we are on board with. The churches, yeah, I get that. And neighbors, if you live really close to the weed store and one's going in and you've never seen one, you're going to be afraid. You're going to be like, this is this can't be good. But for most weed, for most of those locations, I, I've looked at the crime rates and I don't see any real trends of because there's a weed store located in your neighborhood, things are off the charts. No, that doesn't happen. It's not. It's just another store um, 
and I don't see any real trends. I haven't seen any news stories of ah, if you're within a half mile proximity to this weed store, watch out your car stereo is going to get jacked from your car. Don't see that. It's just not reality. Eisenberg said that those early demonstrations led by African American leaders are different compared to what he is seeing today. It has changed a lot. Back then, a lot of people thought it was adding to gentrification in the Central District. How is a weed store going in adding to gentrification? If you had like a lawyer's office, something along those lines, that to me would be more in line with what people perceive as gentrification. But a weed store, it's kind of like, ah. And clearly, people in that area, yeah, they're giving it to two, two thumbs up. They, it's, it's not like this store is struggling for sales, is it? So the community in general is like, yep, we're okay with it. In fact, we're more than okay with it. We're going to buy some weed. We're going to buy some spliffs. It was people from the Central District. It was local people that were protesting. That's what it used to be. A lot of African-American people were protesting. Now it is all white kids. And a lot of the ones I have talked to, they are from the suburbs coming into Seattle just to cause havoc and have fun, Eisenberg said. Well, if their fun, if their version of fun is doing what we're talking about, they need a strict talking to from their parents. That's what they need, but they're not going to get it. They're too old. Most of these kids in their mid-20s, right? They're out of the house. They're doing their own thing. They're just disenfranchised. They don't really know. They don't have a lot going on. And I say that because I've been through, um, you know, I've been been to a bunch of these protests and watched the kids and watch what's happened. And these are people on the fringe. That's who they are. That's who goes up to a weed store and throws a brick through the window. That's that's what's happening. King Five reached out to groups, including activists who called for a boycott of Uncle Ike's over the summer during an anti-gentrification protest. One person who responded by email but did not provide their name acknowledged that Uncle Ike's has done charitable work but said that the business could be doing much more where it counts most and is most needed. Sorry if I got distracted there. Mailman came in. Mail lady came in. Never say mail lady, do we? We just say mailman. The man-dominated world. So... Uh, that the business could be doing much more where it counts most and is most needed. But my thought is, why is it their responsibility to do that? Isn't that kind of the government's role in all of this? I think so. Small business isn't responsible for making other areas of society, you know, either leveled out or these people have too much money. These people don't have enough. All right, small business, we need you to intervene. Let's make this happen. 25% of your profits to this. But in Seattle, that's the mentality. It's also the mentality that kind of goes behind the whole tax Amazon. Well, Amazon had record profits. Let's go ahead and tax them. That's what's happening. That drives business out. And so if you throw enough bricks through a business, guess what? When it comes renewal time for their, their lease, Uncle Ike is like, you know what? We sold three quarters of a million dollars worth of marijuana last month. And we had 1800 bucks worth of broken windows. I think we're going to live with that. We're going to do that. But if you're another small business in the area and you're not making that kind of money and you have been... Um, you are not essential in the first shutdown. And maybe this is your second go around of being shut down. Washington's in its second shutdown for a lot of businesses. 1800 bucks means maybe you can't pay your rent. 1800 bucks means maybe that one person that's on your payroll, they get 
they're out of there, you can't afford to pay them. Guess what? You got to work a bunch of extra hours as the business owner, and you don't get paid for that because that's what you do as the business owner. So that is the kind of thing that if you throw enough bricks through a business, you graffiti them up, you're in an area that 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 has that going on, when you're the business owner ready to renew that lease, you kind of sit back and go, yeah, you know what, this is my one location that is having all that happen. This doesn't make any sense. I am going to pull this one location, this store from this one location and um, keep my other four stores, whatever it is, we're seeing this fairly regularly, this is a pattern. And so where you've got these areas where the city of Seattle isn't doing anything about these kind of protests and this stuff going on, guess what that impacts business. Apparently not Uncle Ike's because people love their weed. And Uncle Ike's Eisenberg can is that his name Eisenberg? It's not the guy's name from Breaking Bad. Yeah. What is it, Nikki? Heisenberg. Heisenberg. Sorry, I've been corrected. Heisenberg, Eisenberg. Very two similar names. So that is what's going on. So the protests have changed in nature very dramatically. And a lot of the stuff that's going on, it's not clear what the protesters want because they are not hitting up the people that they actually need to. They are just doing stuff that they want to do and trying to make some noise. And um, I don't think it's really going anywhere. But it's still happening. It's still getting headlines. I'm still talking about it here in the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. That's it for me on this one. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part. Yesterday, today is December the 2nd. Yesterday, December the 1st, we hit 6.5 million views on the YouTube, on the tube. That's a big one. Not really, but it was like, I haven't kind of said where we're at views wise. Downloads on the individual podcast platforms, it's kind of hard to figure out because there's so many platforms that people are downloading podcasts on. I think um, Apple is our biggest one, Spotify's next in line. And then there's all these other little platforms. But when you go to YouTube, you can get some really good analytics. And yep, we hit six and a half million views, which to me is just a crazy amount of views. And it's like, really, they watch that much of our content. That's wild. And then you kind of move on because you need to do another podcast and eh, it just becomes another thing. So but thank you for watching. You guys are the reason we got to six and a half million views. We're going to keep on going. We're going to go to 100 million views. How's that? That's a lot of views. I don't know how long would that take? I have no idea. Extrapolate where we're at now and kind of do a chart some crazy business thing. I don't know. What would I know about that? Thanks again for being here. I'm out of here. I'm going to go record another podcast, but I'm going to do it right here. That's it for me. Thanks for being here again. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.